As a real estate manager, Principal Asset Management harnesses the power of a 360-degree perspective, delivering local insights and global expertise across public and private equity and debt. Their teams apply local insights and global perspectives to help identify the most compelling investing opportunities. Principal Asset Management, actively invested. Learn more at principalam.com. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC. Hey there, it's Joe Weisenthal. And Tracy Alloway. And we are the co-hosts of the Odd Lots podcast. And we want to tell you about a new podcast here at Bloomberg we're really excited about. Money Stuff, the podcast. That's right. Friend of the pod, Matt Levine, is teaming up with our other friend and Bloomberg TV host, Katie Greifeld, to bring the Money Stuff newsletter to life. Every Friday, Matt and Katie will dive into all the Wall Street finance and other things that make Matt's newsletter such a hit. You can listen to Money Stuff, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Odd Lots podcast. I'm Joe Weisenthal, Managing Editor at Bloomberg Markets. And I'm Tracy Alloway, Executive Editor at Bloomberg Markets. So Tracy, on our last episode, we talked a little bit about politics. Mm -hmm. And this episode is about another political event that's coming up. Uh, the upcoming Brexit vote. Uh, Brexit, of course, refers to this possibility that on June 23rd, when the UK holds its referendum, that people might vote to leave the EU. And while the expectation and the polls suggest that probably the UK is going to stay in the EU, there is a significant enough uh, debate and doubt about this question that there is a lot of excitement going into this vote. Have you been paying much attention to it? You know, um, obviously, I'm in markets. There's lots of people talking about the potential impact on the financial system, on currencies, on the unity of the EU. Uh, I also used to live in the UK for about 10 years, so I do take a personal interest in this. So that's a long way of saying yes. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really fascinated by the story, and I just like ref. I just love votes. Like even if I don't have much of a stake in it, anytime I hear of some big vote somewhere, it's like, oh, Philip, you're really election, into it. Or, Scottish referendum. I just love the tension of them because there's all this buildup and then bam, it's over in a second. So it's very exciting. Um, today we're going to talk kind of about this Brexit referendum, but we're going to talk about it at a unique angle, which is hmm. the gambling side of it. Hmm. So people are betting on whether or not Brexit will take place? Right. So unlike, you know, in the U.S., we have this sort of weird relationship with gambling where a lot of people like to bet on things, but it's also heavily restricted. Mm -hmm. There are only select locations or select states and select things you're allowed to bet on. In the U.K., they just love to bet on everything, and it's <laughs> wide out in the open. So obviously, the uh, soccer teams there are openly advertised that you can bet on them. It's just much more part of the culture, including 
betting on political outcomes. Right. So I remember this from personal experience. You could go to the bookies. You could bet on all sorts of sports games, obviously. I did it for the World Cup in 2006. I remember you could bet on more esoteric things like... Right, like you could bet on who the next pope is going to be. Right. They they, they set odds for stuff like that. Or whether or not Harry Potter is going to die at the end of the Harry Potter series. All sorts of things. And so, of course, you can bet on political outcomes uh, in the UK. They've been doing it for a long time. And today we're going to talk about the expert in political betting. His name is Mike Smithson, a former politician. He now runs the website politicalbetting.com, and he wrote a book specifically about how to make money betting on politics. Interesting. So has he used his political experience to become an expert on betting on politics? Uh, I guess we're going to find out, and I hope we get some tips on how we can make money betting (laughs) on politics in the future. What are the tricks to use Mm -hmm. to beat the system? All right. Mike Smithson, you're the editor of politicalbetting.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Delighted to be on the program. Thanks, Mike. Uh, So, Mike, tell us about the gambling market in the UK and the upcoming Brexit referendum. How much money are people betting on this this event? This has been the biggest political betting uh, event of all time. Uh, that I've I've certainly been doing this for about 15 years, and we're getting on the uh, betting exchanges, which operates where where buyers and sellers come together. We've been getting up to a million pounds a, a day being traded, wow. and that's extraordinary for this to be happening eight weeks out because the election of course takes place eight weeks eight weeks today and simply it's not it's, it's taken everybody by surprise the sheer scale generally speaking with uh, with elections you uh, nobody really pays any attention on in, on the betting markets till in about four or five days beforehand so this is absolutely massive is it popular in terms of betting because it's basically a binary outcome? It's either yes or no. Does that make it easier to bet on or place odds in some way? Oh, oh yes. It's it, it makes it much much simpler because you know there's, there is it gets compared with a general election in the UK, which are quite complicated, mm. where it's much harder to work out. The Tories might be the, they won the last election on thirty six point nine percent of the vote, so that was not so obvious. Whereas something like this, it is blindingly obvious from the polling which way it's going and it's and people adjust their bets accordingly and there's a massive amount of polling analysis goes on and people every new poll that comes out people try to look and seek to undermine it or seek to does it reinforce their positions and so on Hmm. Uh, and it's it it is it is a, a fascinating period all right let's back up a minute because to an american audience the idea that politics is a big thing where people openly bet and openly track the gambling odds is a weird thing. What's the history of political betting in the UK? How did political events come to be this thing that professional bookmakers and gamblers took interest in? Uh, in fact, it goes back for, for a century, a couple of centuries, that uh, better used to be illegal except on race courses. Uh, and but you would have uh, certain bookmakers w- were able to operate. This again, that's in the 19th century, were able to operate credit accounts. And what would happen is that uh, within the sort of London clubs, people would be placing bets, and that would be well, that would be sort of legal. But the big thing that uh, where it took off was in 1961 when betting 
betting over the counter in shops, betting for virtually everybody was made legal. And since then, it has, it has exploded. And of course, what people love doing is uh, matching their own predictions of an outcome uh, by putting their money on and risking, risking their cash on it. Joe was telling me earlier in the segment that you actually used to be in politics. You were with the Liberal Democrats. Yeah. Uh, can you maybe make the connection between being in politics and then going on to actually become an expert on political betting? Oh, yes. I think you uh, understand the dynamics of elections a lot more. You understand the sorts of people who vote. So, for instance, at the moment, the, the critical thing is turnout. We don't know clearly how many people are going to turn out. But we do know that uh, from sort of my experience on the ground, and I stopped being in politics 15, 20 years ago, uh, is that uh, people who voted in previous elections are the ones who are most likely to vote in future elections. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a history of never voting, then the chances are you're not, you're going to be less likely to vote in the coming election. So all the polling analysis is really based on that, 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 sort, of, that sort of thing. Generally speaking, UK pollsters ask, you know, could you rate on a scale of one to 10 whether, whether or not you're likely to vote or not? Uh, and, uh, there are, and, and what we're finding is that um, uh, a lot more people who are saying they're voting, they want to vote leave are, 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 say, are saying that, but if you then analyse the background of where they, they come from, i.e. their socio-economic groups, you discover that they are the most least likely to vote, to vote in elections. So you've got to sort of balance that down. Uh, and that's, that's where a, you know, a debate with people like me, where it comes down to what's the turnout going to be? Hmm. So from your expert uh, analysis and having watched these things so far, where do you stand based on the polling and what you read into the polling? See, Mike, this is the point at which Joe asks you for betting tips. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and uh, yeah, and how to, so A, what do you see as the likely outcome of the Brexit referendum? And B, do does your assessment match up with the current odds? Well, first of all, as a, my own gambling is I tend to bet on betting. So if I think mm. that uh, there will be a move towards leaving the betting, then I will get on there. So I'll be able to get out of that position later. So it's not it's not just a complex, a simple thing of, of betting on an overall outcome. But my reading at the moment is that probably uh, we're, uh, we're going to vote to stay in the in, in the European Union. Uh, but I wouldn't be totally, totally certain of that. And currently, the markets make it about a 70 percent uh, probability, which I think is about right. So you mentioned something very important that's different from how most people in the U.S. think of betting, which is that when you place a bet on leave or stay, these, you have a tradable asset. So it's not just that you have to hold on to it and wait till the outcome. But if the odds move nicely in the favor of your bet before then, you can lay it off and take a profit before the ultimate result. So it's really yes. much more like a trading than just a pure buy a ticket and then wait until the outcome. That's precisely. And, and uh, as a result of modern betting systems and certainly online systems, those complexities can be handled and handled very well. And that's, that's one reason that one of the things really given a boost to uh, political betting, the, the ability to, uh, to be able to make, take a view one day, make a profit three or four days later, and then perhaps bet the other side the week after. Now, you mentioned the extraordinary um the extraordinary monetary volume of Brexit vetting, uh, betting on this uh, referendum. And of course, there are large economic ramifications, financial ramifications, ramifications for sterling, the currency specifically. Yeah. 
Is there much hedging going on? So people are trying to uh, hedge a certain position in the currency market with a binary bet and somehow exploit an opportunity, uh, a discrepancy between the two? I, I think that there is that going on at the moment. And I think increasingly that, that, will, that will take place. I mean, I, to my mind, one of the best indicators is actually the, the value of the pound against the dollar and the value of the pound against the euro. Uh, and if there is a, a confidence that, the, that, the, the, that it, we will vote for Remain, then that seems to increase, increase the value. And I certainly, in terms of my own tracking, I watch, I watch those currency screens as well as I watch other screens. So I have a sort of existential question, which is, you know, it's all very fun and interesting to watch uh, the Brexit betting. And we're seeing lots of money exchanging hands based on this referendum. But is there any social value to political betting? Because people often people often characterize the stock market as sometimes a bit of a casino. People are essentially gambling on the likelihood of companies succeeding or not. But at least you can say that the stock market is diverting money into actual capital. Whereas this is pure, pure betting. Yes. Um, I don't think there's any social value at all. <laughs> I think it, it's just providing a, a means whereby people can bet back up their own opinion mm. uh, uh, by risking their own cash. And Put money where their mouths are. Yeah, right I, 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 so, but I, I can't see any social value at all. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. We'll be right back with you. But first, a quick word from a sponsor. Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work. Back with Mike Smithson, uh, the editor of politicalbetting.com. So we've talked about this upcoming referendum and what the odds are saying. Do you have any uh, great examples of the markets having gotten it totally wrong in the past or uh, something in history that really struck you as a particularly important or pivotal moment for political betting in the UK? Yes, certainly. At the last UK general election in 2015, uh, none of the all the markets pointed to perhaps the Tories, the Conservatives, certainly winning most seats in the House of Commons. But it was a very much a long shot that they, that, that uh, Cameron could win an overall majority, which of course he did. And in fact, even even when the results were coming in, when the exit polls were coming in, you could still get uh, the, 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 an overall majority was just rated as a 10% chance. And it took a lot more results to come in before it turned and people realised that in fact uh, the Conservatives were going to win a majority. That was just that was just a year ago. So th- this, 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 this does happen. We also know that, uh, that that people with an interest have tried to influence betting prices in order to create a sense of momentum. Mm. Uh, we saw that with the 2012 the White House race. 
uh, when the old Irish exchange in trade, which I don't think exists any longer, right. where, where, where the, the, the amount of money that was going on Romney was simply out of keeping with what the polls were saying and was also out of keeping with what the, what the, 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 the London-based exchanges were showing. And there was a quite a large arbitration opportunity if you wanted to get involved in that. Yeah, I was just going to ask, how big is that cross-exchange arbitrage of different contracts on different uh, trading platforms? It, that's certainly, it's certainly possible. It's certainly there. Uh, but you've got to act extremely quickly in order, because generally speaking, a, a good position like that won't last very long. Though we, we, we did get uh, some quite extraordinary betting moves on this, on the referendum about last week or was it the week before last, when contrary to where the polls were going, the, the levers, the levers, the, the levers were seeing a huge amount of money going on them, and then um, then that sort of uh, ceased. And uh, of course, in order to sustain, if if the if you're putting forward a bet that's offering value to the other at the other side that's greater than that than perhaps it should be, then people obviously just sweep it up. It's just a normal market mm. operating. Well, so speaking of discrepancies across betting platforms, how do the bookies actually make their odds for things that? are often not that clear-cut. We're talking about a wide variety of outcomes, right? Well, uh, there are two sorts of bookmakers, in, in, certainly in, in the UK. There are those which ha- have an exchange which actually seek to bring back, bring forward two people who want to make a bet together. It's all uh, super uh, fast and operated online. Uh, uh, and that, that, that's, that's one thing. Where the other sorts, where you've got traditional bookmakers who work out and try to fic- work out what the odds are, they will put odds up. But they will uh, see if, if if they've if they've got it wrong, they'll find a lot of people coming onto them, mm. if or or they'll find that nobody's interested in the prices they're offering. So it, in fact, it's working in the same way. So the, the the odds will eventually work out in terms of what 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 the market is is wanting. So one of the things that always comes up when we discuss these kinds of markets, there are always people who say. All they do is track conventional wisdom. They don't have any sort of particular, they don't offer us any particular insight. Others say, oh, the markets are the clearest signal we have. Where do you come down on this? Do markets, do they usually get it right? Are they, uh, what is their track record as being a tool to forecast what's actually going to happen? I think the best example of that we uh, 2014 September, we had the referendum in Scotland on on Scotland going for independence. Uh, and about 10 days before that, uh, suddenly we had polls which were showing that the that the vote would be for uh, independence. I remember that poll, yeah. Uh, and what was interesting is that the betting markets hardly turned on that. There was hmm. hardly any movement. And and, and, and I, I think that uh, that represented that there was a different view being taken by gamblers compared with what the, the polls were showing. People were so the dismissive. pundits were losing their heads, but the gamblers stayed cool and got it right. <laughs> I, I think so, yes. I know. Um, I remember on that one. I was. I tried to. Um, I saw that poll. I thought, well, everybody's going to be wanting to uh, bet on uh, Scottish in, uh, Scottish getting independence, uh, and unfortunately, uh, the, the market didn't move. And uh, you like, never had market, a chance to take uh, advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we just have a few minutes left. So let's say someone wants to get into political betting. Uh, obviously, it would take a long time for anyone to match your years of experience in watching markets. But give us a few tips. As a as a pro in this area, what are some things that people can do to improve their chances of success in these markets? The most important thing is to 
disregard your own what your own desires are mm. uh, and th- it's very easy to think I, I, I want to I want Barack Obama to win I want uh, Donald Trump to win you've got to disregard that completely and that is qu- that is quite challenging because the, t- the chances are you will then uh, I- I- interpret all the evidence in line with what your what what your desires are that's the most important thing and a lot of people find that very difficult to do uh, secondly you've really got to be watching for value uh, it's when uh, something comes up and you think, wow, that's a, that's a good price. You think something's a 10% chance and you find that the bets, the pricing on it is only making it a 5% chance, then you've got a, a value bet. And that's, that, that, happen, that happens all the time. Um, so you've, it's, it's, it's looking at it, making your own objective assessment of what you think that the, the, the chances of this event happening, and then looking at the betting price. And if, if your assessment is better than the price that you can get from the bookies, then you, you obviously bet. If it's not, then you don't. Any, anything else? Uh, we're, uh, we're just about out of time. One last tip for people? Um, be careful. I mean, you know. <laughs> don't, 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 That's um, probably the best uh, advice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Mike Smithson, thank you so much. This is a fascinating topic and a fascinating lens through which we can watch the the Brexit vote over the coming weeks. Really appreciate you sharing uh, your experience on this topic with us. Thank you. So, Tracy, are you going to place a wager on the upcoming Brexit referendum? Uh, you know... I don't feel a lot of, well, I don't feel much of an urge to uh, put my money where my mind is. I did think it was interesting that Mike brought up this idea that one of the things people have to watch out for the most is to avoid sort of confirmation bias and the idea that they want to put money on the people that they want to see in power. Yeah, I also am fascinated by how big this particular market has Mm. gotten. And I mean, there's no way to know for sure, but... It does seem to make sense that for people who have a significant financial stake in the outcome of this referendum, that the size and liquidity of this market, not for huge players, but right. for smaller players, you might want to place a wager to sort of uh, <laughs> hedge your exposure to a Brexit. Right. I do like the idea that there's a secondary market. There's all this arbitrage going on. It's really financialized, actually. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And that's one of the things that just generally seems cooler about betting in the UK versus Vegas. Mm. In the, in Vegas, obviously, you place a bet at a sports book, and then you walk away and you see the outcome. But mm-hmm. it seems so much more fun if you could then have this very liquid market to trade that ticket, to arbitrage uh, across multiple trading platforms, to invest, to make a bet with the expectation that you're not going to win, but that at some point the odds will move in your favor and then you can uh, sell it. So all kinds of, uh, it just seems very fun to me. Right. And I know I asked if there was a social value to this kind of speculation. And Mike was pretty upfront saying, no, not really. It's basically pure gambling. But I do like the idea that he brought up about how this can have a predictive value. And sometimes it does indicate things better than some other more traditional indicators. And of course, I think if you looked at a lot of uh, Wall Street products and mm. asked the social value question, <laughs> you would have just as hard of a time coming up with very a com- true. compelling answer. All right. Well, that is the, this edition of Odd Lots. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Joe Weisenthal. You can find me on Twitter at The Stalwart. And I'm Tracy Alloway. I'm on Twitter at Tracy Alloway. Thanks for listening. 
Put knowledge to work and grow your business with CIT. From transportation to healthcare to manufacturing, CIT offers commercial lending, leasing, and treasury management services for small and middle market businesses. Learn more at CIT.com. Put knowledge to work. Hey there, it's Joe Weisenthal. And Tracy Alloway. And we are the co-hosts of the Odd Lots podcast. And we want to tell you about a new podcast here at Bloomberg we're really excited about. Money Stuff, the podcast. That's right. Friend of the pod, Matt Levine, is teaming up with our other friend and Bloomberg TV host, Katie Greifeld, to bring the Money Stuff newsletter to life. Every Friday, Matt and Katie will dive into all the Wall Street finance and other things that make Matt's newsletter such a hit. You can listen to Money Stuff, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.